And then take your copy of God's Word and turn with me once again this day, this time to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Hear now the word of the living God. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Amen. Let's pray together. Living God, we pray now that you would encourage our hearts through the preaching of your word. Guard and guide us, we pray. Help us, convict us, prepare us as we consider the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. We have in Philippians chapter 1, a letter to a church, the church of Philippi. In many instances, Paul will write to a specific church with instructions. We saw this morning such an account. But this evening, I want us to consider this opening phrase in the book of Philippians, because it is the only place in the New Testament where both Bishops or elders and deacons are addressed together. Notice the text again. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Boys and girls, that word bishops could be translated pastors, ministers, elders. They're all the same office, different words for the same office. But here, the bishops... The elders and the deacons are referenced together. It's a letter to a church, and notice what it says. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. And then their location is given. The saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. A specific church in a specific place with specific officers. Notice that the church is addressed... But there are two particular groups of officers addressed. Elders or bishops and deacons. This evening, in God's providential hand for our church, we have the setting apart of more officers to serve here at Grace Baptist Chapel. Several weeks ago, in complete unison, And agreement, this body voted for two new deacons to come and to serve here in this place, as well as one new elder. And just two weeks ago, it was in the evening service that that elder was set apart. A public ordination or installation of that brother occurred. Tonight, the same thing happens in our midst, but this time for the other office Now, just to remind you what our statement of faith says before we look at this particular phrase of Scripture, in chapter 26 of our Confession of Faith, paragraph 9, we read these words, 
The way appointed by Christ for the calling of any person, fitted and gifted by the Holy Spirit, unto the office of bishop or elder in a church, is that he be chosen thereunto by the common suffrage, the entire body, of the church itself, and solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer with the imposition of hands of the eldership of the church, if there be any before constituted therein, and of a deacon, that he be chosen by the like suffrage, and set apart by prayer and the like imposition of hands. Now, the writers of the Confession are just drawing together what the New Testament records as the practice, the entire body coming together, to choose servants, recognized servants in their midst, and for those servants to be publicly set apart by the laying on of hands. That's what we have here tonight. But shortly before these men make public statements to the church, and we as a church together seek to encourage them with our affirmation publicly, I want us to consider this one verse from Philippians. Why here... Are these two officers, elder and deacon, mentioned together? Elsewhere, we have discussion of elders. We have discussion of deacons. I would encourage you, if you weren't with us some months back, we had several sermons where we considered the office of deacon and the office of elder. But here, and only here in the New Testament, a letter is written, and specifically, the elders and the deacons are highlighted. Frank Thielman, a commentator writing on this passage of Scripture, says this, Paul provides a model of the humility and concern for the interest of others that he will soon urge on the Philippians. Although Paul is God's apostle set apart and called by him to his task, and although Timothy is an approved co-worker with Paul in this important service, Paul refuses to mention these high qualifications in the letter's opening. He prefers instead to emphasize his and Timothy's common role as slaves of Christ Jesus. He is careful, on the other hand, to give the leaders of the Philippian church their appropriate titles of dignity. By constructing his greeting in this manner, he has, in a small way, showed concern not for his own interests, but for the interests of others. It's interesting what Thielman says, because if you were to read the entire letter of Philippians, you would see that a dominant theme in the letter is not only service for Christ, but humility. Who can forget in the middle of chapter two, that wonderful description of the chief example of humility, the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter two, verses seven And beyond, we read these words of Jesus. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Not only is Christ the Savior of all the sinners who will ever trust in him, he is also the chief example of, of humility. And so here, Thielman and others speculate that Paul and Timothy simply call themselves servants of Jesus Christ, and then they highlight two particular identified servants in the church of Jesus Christ, the elders and the deacons. 
Now, what does this opening phrase help us to see regarding the ministry of deacons? Well, let's consider three things this evening. As we see Paul, the apostle, identifying both elders and deacons as he begins to teach the church at Philippi. The first thing is this. Paul's usage of both of these offices points to the biblical pattern of two offices. Now, this may be the only place where Paul mentions this in a greeting, but in 1 Timothy we see qualifications for both offices. We see in a variety of places the mentioning of both offices. The New Testament knows of two offices in the church of Jesus Christ, that of elders or pastors or bishops and deacons. But as we saw together some months back, The need in the early church for deacons became clear. Turn over to Acts chapter 6. We won't spend much time in Acts chapter 6 because we've done that already. But you remember that seven men were chosen because there was an issue of service that needed to be dealt with. Acts chapter 6. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Then we're given the names of these seven men. And the thriving of the church because men were serving as deacons. And the apostles, soon to be replaced, as it were, by elders, were focusing on teaching and prayer. There was a need in the church And according to the mind of Christ by the Spirit, this need was met by the setting apart of recognized servants. Now we have two men who our church has voted, as our confession says, by common suffrage. The entire body has voted upon these two men. But we see in this passage of Scripture, not only the institution of the office, but how the church went about it. The entire church was involved. The entire church, we're not told how they did it, but the entire church was involved, and then these men were set apart. Later in Scripture, we see other officers set apart by the laying on of hands. One of the things that we need to consider is that all throughout the New Testament, the congregation is involved in the major decisions of Christ's church. But I want to encourage you to think for just a moment about something. Jerusalem and the setting apart of deacons was not the United States and the voting booth. You see, in America, we have sometimes gotten the opinion as we carry our politics into the church that voting in a business meeting is everyone getting a say. Except that's found nowhere in the Bible. What's found in the Bible is every member participating in trying to discern what the mind of Christ is for the church. Every vote that you take, church, should be a vote where you ask yourselves, what is the mind of Christ for our church? 
And really, in the New Testament, it's limited to a few things. Officers and discipline. The New Testament knows nothing of politics in the church. It knows nothing of everyone getting a say. Rather, everyone seeking the face of Christ. So imagine how wonderful it was several weeks ago when our church, completely unanimously as a body, voted on these two men. But brothers, I have to tell the two of you, this institution of the office of deacon is a weighty one. Sometimes it can be assumed that the elders really do the difficult work of the church of Christ and that deacons are kind of there just to sort of help out. But as we see clearly in the mind of Paul, elders and deacons or bishops and deacons were two offices that were crucial in the church in Philippi. And here in Philippi, there would have been the pattern that we see in Acts chapter 6, the setting apart of men to serve as deacons, the office that you are publicly recognized to serve in tonight is part of Christ's plan for his church. The two of you are not two men that have won a popularity contest. The two of you, by this body seeking the mind of Christ with prayer, and as we discussed, even fasting among some, this entire thing points to the biblical pattern of two offices. Christ Church is not a church of one and a half offices. It's a church of two. Paul addresses both the elders, and the deacons as he discusses the need for humility as Christ is preached to the world. So the first thing that I think we can draw from this reference of Paul at the beginning of Philippians is that there is a biblical pattern of two offices. But secondly, we see the importance of the office of deacon. John Gill, commenting on this passage of scripture, says this, quote, These officers are mentioned by the apostle not only to show his respect to them, but to observe to the members of this church that they ought to esteem them highly for their work's sake. These being offices of great importance and usefulness to the church, which by having such was a truly organized church of Christ. Congregation, if Paul, the apostle who had seen the risen Christ, humbly, without titles except for bondservant, mentions that he and Timothy are writing to the church and highlights both offices, we as a church ought to regularly highlight both offices. Please pray for the elders and their families, but pray for the deacons and their families. Please plead with the Lord that he would Bless the work of the elders' hands, but that he would bless the work of the deacons' hands as well. Please pray on your face before the Lord that God would not only protect our elders, but he would do the same for our deacons, men who are set apart in Christ's church to be recognized servants until he comes. Not only do we see the biblical pattern then of two offices, but we see the importance of the office of deacon. Now go back to Acts 6 in your mind for just a moment. Part of the reason why the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, chapter 
uh, 3 verses 8 through 11 are what they are is because deacons will not only serve, they will serve sometimes in very sticky situations. Think about the challenge in Acts chapter 6. This wasn't just the question of how to get some widows bread. It was the question of how to get widows bread in the midst of a complaint. Some were being served, some were not. Some, in this instance, in Acts, were of a particular ethnicity. Some were not. These men had to be full of wisdom so that they couldn't just solve the problem, but that they could solve it with a kind of wisdom so that gossip would decrease and Christ's name would be hallowed. Brothers, you will, in some ways, over the course of the months and years ahead, face situations, perhaps, where the question will not simply be, how do we serve this person, this family, this group of individuals in our church, but how do we do it for the glory of Christ so that his church stays unified, that there is wisdom in how we solve and tackle this issue. See, the office of deacon is an important one in the church of Jesus Christ. But I think we can see at least a third thing, And that is, when Paul writes to a church, he addresses the full range of her officers, which thirdly shows the full ministry of the church. Paul's address to elders and deacons shows the full ministry of the church. Consider the various passages of Scripture where elders and deacons are mentioned. What do elders do in the Scripture? Well, as we see in Acts 6, leading as the apostles, but eventually as elders. The elders of a church lead and teach and guide souls. As we saw just two weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, the elders will be held to account for how they shepherd the souls of the saints, particular churches. But deacons serve and they minister to tangible needs within the body. They seek with wisdom to minister to bodies, as it were, in some ways as elders minister and shepherd souls. Consider the passage of Scripture from 1 Timothy. We looked at this together not too long ago, but 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Likewise, deacons must be reverent not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Brothers, we talked about this months ago, but 1 Timothy 3, verse 13, among other things, helps us to see that how you serve in this body, how you serve in this body will in some way not only obtain for yourselves a good standing, but will provide for you a platform whereby you can be bold in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. There is a weight not only to eldership, but to the diaconate as well. 
Now go back to Paul. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. That is going to be the theme, is it not, of the book of Philippians. Paul, in chapter 1, verse 3, is going to give thanks for these individuals. Then he's going to talk about how Christ is preached. In fact, he's going to mention that some are preaching in ways to try to get at Paul. But he says, either way... Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. And then he breaks forth in this glorious song, does he not? To live is Christ. Then he speaks to suffering. For to you, Philippians, represented by your elders and deacons, it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Chapter 2 then discusses the theme of unity and humility. And then several examples are given of men. Timothy, Epaphroditus, who was so concerned about the church that when they heard about him, he was concerned for their concern. And then he moves into gospel discussion in the final chapters. And there, interestingly enough, in chapter 4, verse 2, what does he do? He needs to tell two particular women to pursue unity. You see, I don't think it's a mistake that it's this letter to which Paul uses both offices. Because it's in this letter... That the theme of service and humility will be seen most greatly in the New Testament. It's in this letter where the need for unity and agreement comes. And it's in this letter where you see some serving and leadership and preaching. And you see even needs, practical wisdom that need to be met in this body. Tonight... Grace Baptist Chapel, we have two men that will be set apart for this weighty office of deacon. Two men who need to consider not just the qualifications, but the task at hand. Brothers, you too will join with other deacons and elders to serve for the good of Christ's name here in this church. Congregation, just as Paul addressed the church at Philippi and mentioned both offices, tonight we need to consider the mind of Christ for how he's organized his church, that he's given us two offices. He's given the church of Jesus Christ, and by his grace, he's given this particular local church, elders, and this season, three of them. And he's given this church deacons. And the New Testament pictures officers, particularly elders, but officers serving well as Christ's gift to the church. Paul says to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. The Apostle Paul will not be writing this local church, Grace Baptist Chapel, a letter. But it's not too much to say 
that if our church were addressed, it would not be improper for the writer seeking to give instruction, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to our church, to mention not only the entire church, but its officers, elders, and deacons. Let us consider, as we close, that Christ's will, his mind for his churches, gathered in various places all across this globe, throughout various seasons of time, his will for his churches is that they be led by men who preach and pray and rule well, and that they be served with men who seek to be wise who seek for the honor of Christ's name to meet practical needs, many of which we will never know. Part of the weight of being a deacon is that in many cases, you will meet a need and no one but the living Christ will know it. Is it enough, brothers? Is it enough to serve in some ways where no one else is watching? Congregation, do you know that there will now be four men who will be prayerfully considering how to serve in a variety of ways and giving mental energy to tasks in this body, and you will know very little of it week by week? They might be solving a bread crisis between two groups of individuals, and you may not know it. Because they've served in such a way that Christ is known here in this church, not our conflicts. They may serve in such a way that it seems as though the needs of this body are met for the glory of Christ. I would commend to us that as we think of the church at Grace Baptist Chapel, that we praise the living Christ that in this season... We have a congregation where weekly we are meeting together for the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments and for prayer. There's the fellowship and communion of the saints. And we have two offices given to us by Christ. Men who will be leading and preaching and praying and men who will be serving in recognized capacity for the glory of Christ's name. We ought to rejoice in such a rich providence. Men, this church loves you. But tonight is not predominantly about you. We will recognize you. We have been asked by the Holy Spirit to consider your qualifications. But tonight is about Christ. He wants his church gathered in this place to be served well. And not because of your own glory or your own record, but because of his. He has cleansed you. He has washed you. He has clothed you with his righteousness. He has caused the fruit of the Spirit to abound in your life. He's caused you to be able to be recognized as a man of wisdom so that his people are served. Congregation, let us consider.
the dignity that Paul gives to these elders and deacons. And let us be a congregation that does the same for, yes, these elders, but for these and all of our deacons as well. Let's pray. Living God, we know that Christ has been made the sure foundation of his church. And by the Holy Spirit, his desire, as it were, for his churches has been made known. And in various places in the New Testament, we see that part of his plan, part of his desire for the church over which he rules is that it be led and served by elders and deacons. In one sense, tonight, two men are recognized publicly, and it may seem like a small matter. But in another sense, living God, we praise you, because not only has your word come to us, but your word of instruction, so that we may see how it is that we are to organize the church, for it is your church. We pray that we may have a clear understanding of these two offices, particularly the office of deacon, and that we may consider the glorious reality that our Savior desires, that deacons serve his church, solve problems, minister to bodies, meet physical needs until he comes. We ask your blessing on your church. In Jesus' name, amen.